hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And man, oh man, am I stoked about today's call and today's topic. And we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, a subject that we've talked about before on the podcast. Primarily, we're digging into YouTube today. And really, we're talking to to arguably the smartest guy I know when it comes to YouTube. Some, some of the best experience, the best examples, some of the coolest stories when it comes to YouTube and making that work for e-commerce. This episode of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast, and we're excited to do that, excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner, so we're in the top 3% of all Google Partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session, love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now, back to the show. So I have with me today... Mr. Bryant Garvin, and he's the director of YouTube Search and Display for Purple Mattress, which if you have not followed Purple Mattress and seen their advertising on YouTube, you've got to check it out. They are masters at it. And then he's also the co-founder of Stacked Ads and uh, runs the Stacked Ads podcast. So with that, uh, Bryant, welcome to the show, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. And flattery will get you everywhere, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in this case, I meant it. I totally meant it. And so I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. But, but we, uh, you know, we got to hang out a little bit in Nashville, Tennessee, at our mutual friend Ezra Firestone's Blue Ribbon event, which was a blast. And so we connected, started talking shop. You know, I, I, we we've done quite a bit with YouTube on on this end, but. Talking to you, I was like, "Oh, we're, there's a couple of things we're not doing that that uh, you just told me about, which is awesome." And so, um, anyway, had a great time connecting there. No, I wanted to get you, get you on the podcast, and so so excited to, it, to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for the you know the couple people that don't know, because I'm still I'm still surprised. Occasionally, I'll mention, "Hey, you know, I was talking to the guy from Purple Mattress," and they're like, "What? What's that?" And I say, <laughs> are, "Are you living under a rock? And do you never visit YouTube?" Because I don't know how you missed this, but for those who don't know, uh, what is Purple Mattress? What makes you guys unique? So Purple is a company based out of Utah, uh, two founders. It's kind of the 20-year overnight success story, if you want to say. Uh, they're two brothers. One was a rocket scientist, one a mechanical engineer. They started inventing stuff, and they've invented this material, this patented material called hyperelastic polymer. That's a mouthful, so we just call it purple. Um, and then spent, then spent years actually engineering a machine that could make this material in the size of a mattress. 
at a cost-effective margin, right? So they spent years developing it, um, got started. They wanted to do online marketing. They saw some of the bed-in-the-box stuff and figured out some ways to make it happen. But their whole idea of online marketing was SEO. That's all they knew about it. So they hooked up with some really good consultants that helped them out and started down the video path. Our first big hit, obviously, was one done with the Harmon Brothers, and our foundation was based on that and then blown up from there. So we create arguably what I would say is the world's most comfortable mattress. And yeah, I work there, but seriously, I hate traveling now because every mattress at any hotel, and it does not matter if it's like a freaking Ritz Carlton, it is just it's not, a not, it's not as comfortable. Yeah. I don't sleep as good. I wake up with back pain or whatever else. So anyways, yeah, you got to start, you got to start uh, getting purple mattresses into hotels. I know I'm working on that. If we can, if we can uh, keep up with production, we might be able to have a few left over to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be huge though. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I think that could be, uh, because that's also one of those things where you get someone to try the mattress in a hotel, and then you know now they're ready to buy one for home. But but we we, we digress. That's uh, yeah <laughs> uh, for another for another topic. Topic for a different day. Yeah yeah exactly. So uh, if you would, Brian, kind of give a little bit of your background and and how you. Well, actually, I want to ask this before I forget the yeah. um so the Goldilocks video, the Harmon Brothers video, brilliant. You know, just absolutely brilliant mix of humor, but real selling and and real, you know, unique. Uh, you know, presenting the benefits and, and differentiating your mm -hmm. mattress from other mattresses and stuff. But whose idea was the raw egg test? Where did that come from? Where can you reveal those secrets? Yeah, I, I can. It's actually the founders. They came up with the raw egg test. And the test was originally designed for the seat cushions that they developed for wheelchairs, truckers, stuff like that, where they would go out to a trade show and they'd have raw eggs and have people sit on them. On the, on the seat cushion and it, they would kind of wig out, right? Because they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to break, sit on, down on it, especially like big truckers, right? <laughs> and so they, working with the Harmon Brothers, they just took that and made it kind of over the top, right? Like just really dramatic over the top because with marketing, that's what you got to do sometimes. You gotta you've, do. Got, it, it, you've got to get the attention and in today's world, the more unexpected something is, the easier it's going to be for you to grab that person's attention. Right, right. And yeah, so for those of you that are not seeing it, you know, in the video, they drop a huge sheet of glass, so very heavy, huge sheet of glass on top of several raw eggs on the purple mattress. They do not break. They repeat the test on lots of other, you know, popular mattresses, you know, breaks every time. And so it's also a brilliant use of, hey, find something that your product is the only one or one of the only ones that wins and then, mm -hmm. and then uh, dramatize that. And, and you guys did it and it's brilliant. And so yeah. uh, just, just was curious about that. But um, we'll, we'll dig in more to that in a, in a little bit and get tactical and, and dig into all kinds of details. But curious, you know, what's your background and how, how did you end up at Purple? My background is I actually started out in sales um, 12 plus years ago. And I worked for a company out of Arizona that I, Lycos, if anybody remembers Lycos, outsourced all of their search to, kind of like Yahoo did with Bing back in the day. Yep. And um, so I was literally working for Lycos, managing all of their big clients as a sales or account executive, a Google AdWords rep, right? But um, for Lycos, except for I was useful 
just kidding. <laughs> I like <laughs> I, I, I like most that's of my awesome. Google AdWords reps. Oh, that's um, amazing. But, but occasionally you get one, and you're like, "How did you get through?" Right. I've I've heard of all the stringent hiring <laughs> processes that Google implements, and some of them are brilliant. Like our 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 two dedicated reps, our agents are just brilliant. We love them. But yeah, occasionally you're on the phone with one, and you're like, "I, I don't know what you're doing yeah. there." Uh, exactly. Yeah. So. I, I figured that I figured out that if I really understood what was going on in the marketing side of stuff, the advertising, how it was driving revenue for these customers and really truly understood the ecosystem and search and all of that, that then I could help them optimize and grow their accounts. And so we took some of the products that were like really small and just blew them up and went from there. I was at AdBright for a while as well, if anybody remembers AdBright way back in yep. the day as well. Yep. Um, so I was there uh, helping out with product and business development. And then I've worked for publishers, Choice Hotels. I was uh, the program manager for all of Search and Affiliate. Um, so I've just been mostly in search, right? And is my background performance marketing, that type of thing. And I've been doing it for 12 plus years. I was consulting here in Utah at the time and a couple of people, I guess, kept dropping my name over to Alex MacArthur, who's the CEO, CMO over at Purple and, uh, brought me in. I was like, Hey, what would it take to get half your time? And I told him, and then I'm driving away in fi- like not even five minutes. I'd stopped at the gas station just down the street. He calls me. He's like, what would it take to get you full time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so that's, that's kind of what happened. And, uh, it got brought in and it's been a blast. I, one of the reasons I, why I've left almost every other job I've ever been at is because I get bored yeah. and that's something I never can say, I think will ever happen with purple is getting yeah. bored. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I know and you guys have done some phenomenal things. And like I mentioned in the intro, thoroughly enjoyed our talks. And we'll explore some of that. I know some of those details we can't talk about in the podcast, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it look, just looks like a phenomenal place to work and you can test and tweak things and learn things. And it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. So uh, I, I didn't hear, I hadn't heard the, the part about the founders really only knowing SEO and, and wanting to maybe focus there initially. Um, how did you kind of persuade them to start trying YouTube? And, and was was YouTube like a proven thing for you at that point? Or, or was it more, hey, let's figure out YouTube. I've heard it's awesome. Let's see how we can make it work. Actually, one of the consultants that was working there, including Alex MacArthur and others, pushed them towards video and the Harmon Brothers in particular. I came in right after it launched. And so I wasn't a part of that initial conversation, but the founders really dug in, saw what the Armour Brothers had done before. And if anybody knows the Armour Brothers, they're not cheap, yeah, right? Not so they, 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 they took a gamble in some ways because they wanted to blow it up and they believed if they had the right assets, they could do that. And so that's where it started out. A lot of the original spend that we did, um, even after I came in, was on Facebook. And we've transitioned a lot of that over to YouTube over right. the years, right. especially, especially as Facebook's costs continue to rise. That's yes. things we've talked about a lot, right? And, and you know, continuing that. to go up. Yeah. I, I think I, I heard a stat, uh, actually I think it was Ryan Dice at, at traffic and conversion. So I'm just looking at some of their clients and their own properties, you know, 2017 rates versus 2016 rates, there was about a 30% bump uh, that they noticed. And, and that may not be in every single vertical, every single category, but they're definitely going up. Yeah. 
it's it's going up and and that eats into profitability especially if you don't know what you're doing right or if all you're optimizing for is conversions so you got to get a little bit more strategic in how you work there but youtube is almost a bottomless pit of inventory that's available there and it's just growing daily there's so many a billion hours of video is watched every day on youtube that's ridiculous it is it is it's it's absolutely insane and you know the thing we hear about and and I I don't know the Facebook ad platform very well myself. I mean, I can kind of talk my way through it and understand some strategy and things like that. But you know, one thing I know from people is that with with Facebook, you may have like the perfect audience, but you're gonna wear that out. There's gonna be audience fatigue after a little while, and then you have to rethink and rebuild uh, you know audiences and, and recreate assets and things like that. And and there's really not as much of that on YouTube, uh, which which is pretty. Pretty cool. So let, let's talk about maybe kind of the high level stuff, and then we'll dig into some tactical as well. But but you want to talk about how you guys use YouTube for prospecting. So we would also call this you know top of funnel YouTube yep. at Purple. So how do you guys use it? How do you think about it? Um, because I think that the you know what you expect it to do can really influence the way you structure and measure and things like that. And, and I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations, you know, from uh, from video for top of funnel. Yes. Uh, but one one cool thing I'll mention that you had mentioned to me was that you know you guys look at your ads as self funding, right? So you you have to get a return from your ads. It's not like you've got this this huge branding budget that it doesn't matter if it returns or not. You're just going to spend it. Like you need this stuff to work. So um, if you would kind of give, give the high level of how you guys approach YouTube for prospecting. Yeah, and I you hit on something right there that a lot of people walk into YouTube with an expectation of it performing like search or display maybe even or Facebook as an example, right? And YouTube is a completely different platform. And this is where it actually gets into the marketing and the psychology and stuff of people. It's not just about, you know, the cost per click and the return on ad spend. It's getting into psychology a little bit. And you've got to remember YouTube is there exists for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to watch video. That's it. That is the only reason YouTube exists, right? That is why everybody goes there and they go there to watch a ton of different things, whether that's the latest music video, whether that's, you know, a how to video on how to do this or that or the other thing, whether it's, you know, epic fails, whatever cat videos, people are going there to watch specific things. On average, they spend about 40 minutes on YouTube per session. That's 10 minutes longer than Facebook. And so people are going there wanting that experience, that entertainment. And so you're interrupting that experience. It's not like Facebook where you go to the feed and it's like a slot machine, right? You have no idea really what's going to show up in your feed right, at any given right. time. You actually went there look, and clicked on a video to watch that video. And then something interrupted you from watching that video. Now, the beautiful thing about YouTube is that you get five seconds to get your message across before they can even skip. Okay. And if you get it across there really quickly, get right into it and get them to hang, want to hang on long enough to actually hear what you're trying to teach them or sell them or whatever it is, then you've got a winner. And the other beautiful part about YouTube, which a lot of people don't get, is that if your video is longer than 30 seconds and they choose to skip any time before that 30 seconds, you pay zero yeah. for that view. Yeah, so you get a brand impression, you get people to engage. And 
I still to this day, I've asked every person that I've, I, I audit their accounts, do stuff like that. Hey, has Facebook ever not charged you for an impression? Right. right. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't happen. Um, so that's a really big value there. But because they're video, they're engaged, they're watching it, they are not likely to click on your you know, your call to action in there to go to your website because their whole purpose for being there was to watch the video after your ad. Yep. Yep. And they haven't even gotten to that yet. They haven't gotten to the video that they came to YouTube for yet. Yeah. Exactly. So even if they watch your whole video, the likelihood that they are going to interact and click and go to your website right then and there is pretty much zero. Like it's abysmal. If you look at the click through rates on YouTube, they just look awful. And that's because that's not what it's designed for. It's designed to educate, inform, teach, and sell. And then what happens is people go afterwards and they search for your brand or your product. And so you've got to look at that search lift that's going on there when you're running your YouTube ads, not just directly trying to track all of that. And there's some tweaks and stuff you and I have talked about before on how you can set up your accounts a little bit differently to make sure you're getting directional information. But if you're expecting your YouTube videos to return that four to one or whatever return on ad spend metric that you're looking for off of the conversions column, it's just not going to happen. So you've got to start looking at view through conversions and average order values and all of those different things and using that directionally. Um, and also you start looking at a more of a macro level instead of a micro level, which is what most performance marketers are used to. This keyword, this ad, this landing page got this. And so with YouTube, you've got to really dig in and look at, oh, we spent this much overall. And, and even this is true for all, pretty much all video top of funnel stuff. The more top of funnel you go, the more you're going to have to look at macro. We spent this today. We got this today. We spent yes. this, this month. We got this this month. Yep. And it, turning on things and seeing how that impacts the overall mix of stuff. And, and so it, it's a little bit harder. That's where you, like I said, you got kind of got it to have the skill set and understand the psychology, the marketing, all of those different things. It's not just looking at an Excel sheet and being able to figure it out. Yep, yep. You've got it. You've got to think strategically. You've got to watch the whole, you know, all of your marketing efforts. Um, you're absolutely right. And really, YouTube is it's feeding the top of the funnel, right? It's it's allowing you to make the funnel bigger. Than it would be otherwise, right? So you, oh, absolutely. you, you still want to have overall goals, right? You still can have yep. overall return on ad spend goals, like you and I have talked about. But you're just not. Don't expect YouTube to be Google Shopping mm -hmm. because it's not. It is a totally different animal. When someone's clicking on a Google Shopping ad, they are actively shopping. They're in a buying mindset. Yep. They're probably ready to buy today or in the next couple of days. You know, YouTube, you're, you're you're catching them sooner than that. So yeah, um, and r real quick on yeah. on that point there, right? I don't know anybody that's ever looked at a text and been like, oh my gosh, that just hit me right here. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was so it was I emotionally connected. Text that was beautiful. With that I text loved it. Ad, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? But yeah. video, why do they spend forty minutes on YouTube? Because video reaches a subconscious emotional level that we do. Yeah, or, or or no one's ever said, "Dude, check out this text ad that I just looked at. It's awesome." You know, yeah, uh, my you're... gosh, it was the only text ad I never skipped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one's sharing text ads. Not not the not the purpose there. So no. uh, that's really cool. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about you know how to make a video that that sells, and and this is. I think this is one of the, the probably is the hardest part about doing YouTube well is getting that video asset that just really works because 
I think you, you can train someone relatively easily, you know, how to make a good text ad and, and you know, how to, how to create a good data feed to get your Google Shopping ads set up properly. But making a good video is not, not that easy. You don't have to go super expensive like Harmon Brothers expensive and, and, you know, you don't have to drop a million bucks, you know, to, to make a video. But uh, what, what do you recommend, like, to, to hook someone in those first five seconds? What, what do you recommend? Like, are you leading with the biggest benefit? Are you doing some kind of shock and awe type thing? Are you leading with humor? What, what, what do you, and I know there's no one exact formula, but what, what do you recommend? I think the biggest thing, and I want to hit on this again for you, because everybody I talk to is like, yeah, but you're at Purple. You guys spend a lot of money on video. I can't do that. And... I went through with my creative team this week, actually, and was looking at some of our videos and how they were performing. Some of my best performing videos to this date are customer videos of them doing the RIAG test at home. It's completely nice. awful footage. It must have been like an iPhone 4 right. and yeah. it, like grainy, whatever, but it comes across as authentic. Yep, yep. And so when they're watching these videos it's actually impacting the experience. And so you doesn't have to be high production value. You don't have to spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to get good video. So I want to make sure that's really, really clear. And that brings me to my next point. Sometimes some of your best videos are from your customers that love your product. Yes. Sometimes just using those, even in a prospecting point of view, can grab their attention because it comes across as authentic. Remember, YouTube especially is a platform of creators. And a lot of those creators, you know, are not big, huge production houses, right? It's it's a lot of small creators that are doing a lot of stuff on the go and may not always have the highest production value. And so it fits into the ecosystem a little bit there. But that first couple of seconds is the most important thing. And I think the one, one of the things that I think is the most important, you've got to have emotion, right? That's really important yes. Yes. because emotion triggers subconscious, you know, right? But almost as important is and that emotion can sometimes be just the visual that may be unexpected, right? But I like asking a question in the very beginning because there's not a single human being on the face of the earth that if somebody asks them a question, their mind does not already immediately start subconsciously searching for an answer. Right, right. And once the subconscious starts doing that, then it moves up into the conscious and you're like, well, I don't know how... How do I know if my bed is awful? I never really thought about that before, right? And then they're hooked. And then getting right into a demonstration, a product value. Like it, so many people, especially selling e-commerce products and stuff like that, forget they, they go into the details or the specs, not what those details and specs do for the person. Right. Right. Like if you think about all the amazing infomercials, like – over the years, and they've sold billions and billions and billions of dollars of products, right? It's always, oh, here's this cool little thing, but this is what it can do for you, right? right? right. This is how it can impact your life. Oh, I never knew I needed an egg cooker for the microwave. Oh my gosh, that's amazing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So doing those types of things in, in they're not high production value videos either, really, right? Right. right. Think of yeah, that. not not compared to like Madison Avenue, you know, no. you know, high production, you know, videos in the Super Bowl or whatever. Exactly. So I, I think that that's one thing people need to get out of their head is that it has to be perfect, first off. And secondly, that they've got to do it. But 
one thing that you should be doing is testing. Yes. We test so many things like audiences and landing pages and, you know, calls to action, but we don't necessarily test those first five seconds of our video. Yeah. Testing the opening of the video is so powerful and it's so important. And I, I want to underscore a couple of things you said because really, really valuable. You talked about emotion, so that there has to be emotion there to, to really hook someone. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it could be something just like curiosity, like, hey, I, I wonder, will the egg break? I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it's not going to impact my day or my life that much if I know whether the egg breaks or not, but I want to know. I just, I'm seeing it and I'm curious yep. and now, now I got to find out. Or maybe it's that question you ask. That even if I'm marginally, you know, even if I marginally uh, am interested, I, I may still stick around to see the answer to that that question. You know, it's kind of one of the reasons why, if you look at at articles that say, you know, these are the the, the five tips to to get your morning off to the best start, or or the the classic ad, you know, do you make these mistakes in English, um, you know, with your grammar and stuff. And so as you as you hear that or read that, you're like, well, I want to know those five things, or I, I want to know if I make yep. those mistakes. I, I want to know. Like, I, I need I need you to tell me. Yep. And and so it, it just, it, it engages there. And I think what a lot of people do incorrectly is they, 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 they do the buildup wrong, right? So yes. we, have a, we have a client and, and they sell an amazing product and, and we coach them. And, and, and actually they ended up working with the Harmon Brothers too, but they, they showed us this video a couple years ago. And it was like five seconds of their animated logo. That's how it opened. And we're like, guys, seriously, like I wanna, <laughs> I wanna break my computer when I watch this. You know, I wanna, I wanna leave YouTube forever. Like we can't lead with you know five seconds of your logo. But yeah, testing. And, and so you're kind of getting into some of the testing. Uh, would be curious. Any of those tests that surprised you? So as you kind of tested the opening. Anything that surprised you? And then, and then how do you guys kind of go about testing? To be completely honest, almost every time it surprises us. Because when you're going through, you have to plan out these intros right a little bit. And I wanted to underscore what you just said about don't freaking bookend your videos with this big, huge brand logo messaging stuff. Yeah. Nobody cares. Right. And if they don't know who you are, they especially don't care. And that when that skip button comes up, they are hitting it 99% of the time, unless they're just ignoring Forcefully. their computer. <laughs> yes, it, unless the they're ignoring their computer and not in front of it, right? <laughs> that's the only reason that's not getting skipped. Yep. Um, so... When we're testing intros, you've got to kind of plan for it. You've got to kind of script for it and record multiple things, right? Multiple questions, multiple actions, whatever that may be. And even sometimes testing, like trying to create your videos a little bit more modularly so that you can take maybe a demonstration here and try throwing it in the front and seeing how that actually gets people's attention and testing those different things there. And most of the time, because we're obviously, you know, the creative team, which is freaking amazing that we've got um, at Purple is writing these scripts, working on those things. And then acquisitions is working with them and making sure that it might trigger the right things to get people to eventually buy. Um, There's things that we think are going to work well. But we also throw in a bunch of random stuff that we have no idea. And half the time, it feels like the random stuff that we have no idea or that we're like, eh, works. Yes. Right? Like, and a prime example, and it's not video, but one of the, one of the ones that have worked really well for a Kindle ad that we've been running is this headline that just says, shh, it's science. And all of us hated it. <laughs> like on the acquisition side, we, yeah. we hated it. Yet it was one of our best performing click through to the site ads. Wow. And part of that might have been the visual, but it was just, oh. So sometimes what you want to win doesn't win. And that's where you have to be willing to 
go with the data, yes. right? I, yes. I, on, I started with, hey, don't always just assume that the data is right. And then in this instance, I'm saying go with the data because you want to leave emotion out of this, yes. right? Yes. And the most important thing that you're really testing for when you're doing these intros, yes, if you pick up some conversions, that's great. But what you're really testing for is that view rate. What is it that's getting somebody to stick long enough that you can actually get your message across? Yeah, and one of the things that, that I've noticed is, you know, the, the longer you're a marketer, if you're really committed to doing it right and committed to, to growing your business or, or growing your clients' businesses, you have to stay humble because you're not going to be right a lot of the time. And I think that the quicker you can understand, hey, I, I am a smart person, but I'm not smarter than the marketplace. And, and there may be a variety of factors that lead this lead to this headline converting better than another or this opening working better than another. And I can't fully predict it. You know, I mean, if, if, if guys like Bryant and his team can't predict it and if half the time or more, you know, the opening they, they didn't predict would be the winner is the winner, you're not going to be able to predict it either. And so uh, I, I think just a lot of people, you know, rely on, on their own biases and, and their own preferences. And so they check testing at the door because they think they know. Yep. And, uh, you know, you, you guys, if you, if you had done that, if you had that mindset, you never would have tested the shh, it's science headline. Yeah. But now no. it's a huge winner. Exactly. And a, that testing part is just massive. You know, one of the things that I'm, I, I say I'm famous for saying because I've never heard anybody else say it, is you are not your market. Right. You are right. not your customer. So you can't assume that you 100% fully understand what they're looking for. And that's why you test. Yes, you're trying to understand their psychology, building out buyer personas, doing all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, what they are doing is more important than what you think they should be doing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so when, when you're, when you're testing, do, do you have any, any kind of rules of thumb or any insights on, you know, how long do you test a video? You know, what, what are you looking for in terms of statistical significance? You know, just, just any, any tips or suggestions or, uh, along those lines, you know, on, on, on how to, how to properly test? I think that along those things, um, we test as long as we need to, to get the data we need. So there's not one like, oh, hey, we're going to spend this much money and that's it. Right, right. Like we're working on our latest video and we've been testing it for a month now because we haven't quite found the right one that we want to push broad and publicly. And so sometimes they, like we just had a meeting this week, Hey, we need to go back and get some more edits and test some more things because these are just not working. And so sometimes it requires a lot of work. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is these videos that have legs that stay for a long time, right? Like two years later, we still spend some money against the Harmon brothers video. That's because it works. It's got the right messaging. It's got the right hooks. It's got the right emotion, all of that stuff. Okay. You've anything that has legs, you've got to put time and invested in there. And I'm not saying all everybody here needs to spend months on one video. Most of you probably don't have the teams to do that, but invest enough time to actually test it so that you can get at least enough directional data to say, Hey, this one has a significantly better view rate. And then you can spend some time trying to analyze why that might be right. What was it about this intro that made people want to stick around? And that's where you can look in the psychology, maybe ask people do stuff like that. It's more of the qualitative instead of quantitative stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't need to reveal any of the purple numbers, uh, but, but any, any rules of thumb on, on view through rate that someone 
should be looking for. I know it could be all across the map depending on on category, but just any any kind of areas where you would say, hey, that's a danger zone. Like if you're not hitting that kind of view-through rate, better rethink your video or your audience or something. Yeah, for YouTube, because I, I, I can't share numbers, especially now that we're a publicly traded company. Um, but right. uh, YouTube, YouTube has actually shared that view rates um, 25% plus are considered good. And now one of the things that I will warn people about is a lot of times I've got people testing and they're like, I'm getting like 60% view rates. And I'm like, that is so awesome. What's your audience? And it's like 20,000 people or 100,000 people. Right, right. And so it's very, very, very targeted. And yeah, you'll hit that audience. Great. What happens when all of those audiences get hit? So we try and make, create our videos for as broad, the broadest audience we possibly can. Yep. Yep. Because if it's broadly aware, like when, when we test, we actually make sure we're getting, trying to get net new people to watch these videos. So there's no bias in our testing, right? Excluding people that have been decided, excluding reviewers, all of those different things, right? That can bring bias in to your testing. Yeah, I love that. And, and it's one of those things where you got to keep in mind, you know, the, the beauty of this platform is if someone does skip, if they're not engaged, you don't pay for that, right? So there, yep. there, there kind of needs to be this, happy medium where, you know, if, if the the view-through rate is really bad, you know, single digits, well, you, you're, you're probably missed. Like, that's probably not a message that's resonating. But if it's too high, you're right. You're not reaching enough people. You're not being aggressive enough. You're not, you're not, you're not feeding the funnel enough yep. if your view rate's 60% or something crazy like that. Yeah, so. and the reason view rate's important for YouTube is you're bidding on a cost-per-view basis. So if your view rate equates basically to click through rate on search, that is your metric where if your view rate's really low, you're going to be paying more yep, yep. to actually get those video views. So you want to, again, have that happy medium there where you've got a good view rate, but the people that are watching it are actually engaging long enough to, you know, and you're getting the message across and it's a broad enough audience and all of those different things. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be rewarded just like on AdWords with quality score and lower yep. CPCs. You're going to be rewarded, you know, with your YouTube ads as well if that view through rate is, is high because Google makes more money. They're more incentivized to, to yep. show that. Creators so. make more money. Yep. Google makes more money. Everybody's happy, right? And it, like brand search or like search side of stuff, right? You've got a quality score at the ad level, at the keyword level, right? But you've also got campaign and account level stuff. And the same time, even though they don't disclose it, don't talk about it, there definitely is. So the more wins you start getting in your account on YouTube, the more when you first launch, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yep, yep. Creates a lift everywhere. Awesome. Yep. Uh, let's talk audience targeting just a little bit and, and, and maybe even... You know, we, we, I mentioned it kind of in the beginning, you know, the difference between Facebook and, and YouTube. And, you know, sometimes Facebook audiences kind of wear out. You can't, they kind of run their course and, and you need to kind of move on. But talk about some of your favorite audiences within YouTube and then, and then maybe, you know, compare contrast between YouTube and Facebook just a little bit. One of my favorite audiences for people just getting started is to honestly just retarget your site visitors. Yeah. Because it's allows you to be omnipresent. People think that YouTube ads are expensive to buy, honestly. 
the consumers don't know that you're only paying a penny to five, 10 cents, whatever, to get them to watch that 30 seconds at least. Because it's a video ad unit, there's automatically, because everybody knows TV is expensive, so they assume YouTube is kind of expensive as well, right? And so just being in front of those your audience, and I can guarantee your audience is on YouTube, allows you to that other touch point to reinforce your messaging and in a place where a lot of your competitors are not doing it. You know, almost all of your competitors, I can guarantee, are on Facebook. Only like 5% or 9% of uh, U.S. small to medium-sized businesses are using YouTube. Wow, that's crazy. That's a, dra- that's a dramatic difference yeah. between Facebook and YouTube, right? But yet you've got 1.5 billion users worldwide on YouTube. So there's still a massive audience there. So start with remarketing. That's a great way to dip your toes in there. And you'll see some great returns. Uh, on that just to start off with. Then I like to start going in there that you, Google actually has in market audiences for a lot of different things. And in market means they're considered to be in market to purchase, right? So everything from automotive to freaking shoes and everything in between. (laughs) So um, use those in market audiences as a great way to, as a stepping stone. You can also build out custom affinity audiences, which is something we've talked about, which I probably won't be able to explain fully here on the podcast, but um, creating out custom affinity audiences and display campaigns and then using those on YouTube allows you to create some, again, a little bit broader maybe than even just the end market, but not so broad as the regular affinity or interest categories. Yeah, yeah, and just to give kind of a, a quick highlight, and you're right, it's the, the custom affinity is a little bit easier if you can see the visual and kind of walk through it with slides and stuff, but but basically that's... It's as close as you can get to telling Google, hey, remarket to people that have been to my competitor's site, right? So exactly. build me a list of people that are like those who visited, you know, XYZ competitors and and let's let's try to find an audience, you know, like that. And and the in, in market audiences, I, I love those too. And, and it, Google's kind of basing that on the previous couple of weeks of, of search history that someone has. Search and, history, yeah. YouTube viewing history, YouTube searching history, and even display site visits, right? Like which websites they started visiting. Because a lot of people are not going to Edmunds.com every day, right? Or Blue Book or some of these other companies. Like if you're, they were in market for a car. So Google knows, oh, hey, they started hitting these sites frequently. That means they're probably shopping for a car or looking to sell a car, which means they're probably shopping for a car, right? So that's where they start bringing in that data and then the search data and the YouTube data on top of that. So Google, I think, has one of the best intent data platforms of anybody that exists. Facebook understands who you are and your interests and like types of things that you enjoy and like, but Google understands what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a beautiful way to, to frame it. And and I love Facebook. I mean, I think Facebook is I do too. phenomenal. And I know, I know you guys use it all the time. So, I mean, uh, I think sometimes when, when we talk about comparing or contrasting YouTube versus Facebook, some people may get the the idea that, oh, you, you like YouTube better than Facebook. No, I really don't. Like I, whatever works, man, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, you need to do both. Like your customers are hanging out on both platforms. You got to do both. Exactly. It's just understanding the difference and, and how they how they fit and how they stack. Um, But I I think, you know, what's important with the in-market audiences, you know, use an example that I've I've used before. We've got a client that sells uh, high-end furniture. And so a lot of of leather sofas, leather sectionals, things like that. And so, 
you know, with the in-market audience, this allows you to differentiate, okay, Google's saying these people are aggressively shopping for furniture. This other person who maybe typed in a leather sofa keyword, not so sure. Like this is the first time they typed it in. Oh, and you know what? They're like, you know, 17 years old. They're working on a a project for school, you know, like for a, a, an interior design class or something. And so it's being able to to differentiate and and leverage, like you said, the knowledge Google has about intent and what what your what the what the shopper is trying to do. Super, super valuable. Um, very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your your company stacked uh, ads and and you want to kind of talk about why you guys started that and what your kind of philosophy is because I think there's we, we kind of alluded to a little bit of it a second ago, but uh, I think there's some lessons to be had here um, just in in your philosophy and, and how you approach marketing. Having done this for so many years, and I've been on the agency side, I've been in-house, I've been a consultant, right? I've done all of those things. So I've worked with hundreds of companies over the years. And one of the biggest problems that Jay, who's my partner there, and I see is that people are constantly like focusing in on one thing, one ad platform specifically. Like 90% of their stuff is just coming from Facebook. And that's a problem because what are we seeing on Facebook right now in all of these Facebook ad buyer groups, all of that stuff? People are like, oh my gosh, my costs are going up, my conversions are going down, my CPA is through the roof, what the heck am I doing? Like, what's going on? And they're freaking out because that is their only revenue stream. And so we've seen that time and time again. And we kind of just came to the point where, where Jay and I were like, you know what, we never really wanted to be guys that like did some training or were trying to teach people, but we're seeing so many businesses fail because they put all their eggs in one basket that we need to do something about that. And so that's our philosophy is to just really try and help people diversify to break the idea that you should only be on Facebook and realize that there is so much blue ocean out there without as many sharks running around in it on other platforms like YouTube. And even Google search is not as, you know, as crowded as Facebook is these days because everybody from the local restaurant to the Fortune 500 are using Facebook, hitting the same exact people over yep. and over again. Because yep. remember, it's people-based. Yes. It's not or it's not necessarily search-based or intent-based. And so, and everybody's optimizing to clicks, right? And so all of everybody optimizing to clicks, that's only maybe 10% of the whole audience that's available. So Facebook is going to only try and show your ads to those 10% of people. And everybody else is trying to show their ads to those 10% of people. And so that's why you've got to think a little bit differently, even within platform, diversity from just conversion focused objectives or click focused objectives to moving up the funnel to some video view stuff that then you can retarget with some of those other things because that video view is reaching 80% more of that audience that you thought you were going to be able to get on that click campaign. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking at some of the things that, that Mark Zuckerberg has released recently, you know, in the recent months where He's talking about, you know, pages are going to take a hit, you know, many businesses and, and even ads and that, um, you know, we, we want people to see more of their friends and family on Facebook because, you know, your Facebook wants to maximize and they, they build, you know, all of their optimizations and improvements are around getting you to spend more time on Facebook. And so, you know, if, if Facebook starts to show every 
advertiser that wants to to run an ad and people start bailing, you know, that that's killer for Facebook. So, you know, th- th- this is forcing you to create really engaging ads and and like you mentioned, maybe not just focus on clicks but focus on views and engagement and and so it's still very effective but it's it's getting harder for sure. You'd said some interesting things kind of in the beginning uh, when we were talking before we started recording, you know, about um, uh, how to start on a new platform. So let, let, let's maybe talk about that a little bit. So let's say that I'm I'm only on Facebook or, or only on, on another platform and I'm thinking about starting on another. What what are some of the initial steps you'd suggest that we take to get started? The first thing I would do is make sure you get all of your accounts set up and pixels installed for multiple networks, right? So if you're just on Facebook, get your AdWords pixel installed, get your AdWords account set up, get your Bing ads account set up, maybe jump into Yahoo Gemini or AdRoll as a remarketing plan or something like that, right? Get all of those accounts set up and all of your pixels on your site. And when we talk pixels, just in case people don't understand, that's basically how these platforms, it's a piece of code you put on your site that people are saying, oh, they visited here, hit them with an ad there, right? And so getting those remarketing audiences built out initially, even if you're not using them right now, it's there. So as you continue to grow people coming into the traffic funnel, those audiences are going to continue to grow. And you can then go and it's low hanging fruit, right? It's opportunity to hit them in other places outside of Facebook potentially and recapture those people and bring them to their side in places that honestly a lot of the, your competitors probably are not doing it. and that's a really great way to start tiptoeing in for search right with adwords start getting your brand search up there like i can guarantee if you're a brand that's growing at all you're going to start having competitors bidding against your brand search terms and a brand search term is basically one that contains your brand name or your brand product name in it Right. And so you want to make sure you're there. And that's a really great way, again, to capture stuff. And studies have shown, and I've seen it time and time again, actually, in accounts, that if you've got the paid ad there and the organic ad, there's actually an increase in click-through rate on both of those. Yes. Just having the organic ad, even if competitors aren't there, doesn't have as high of a click-through rate as if you have a paid and the organic ad. So on search. So I would recommend that's a great way to start on search. Um and if you wanted to start on non-brand search, right, queries that are higher up the funnel, maybe they're not. there's not a specific brand in there, you can throw in all of those audiences you built and only target those people on search. Like there's so many little things that you can do that diversifies you and stabilizes you a little bit more. And then you can start prospecting out and expanding within those channels once you feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I 100% agree. You know, start start layering in your pixels, get your remarketing tag from Google, start building those audiences because it does take time. You know, if, you, if you're not getting, you know, tens of thousands of visitors, you know, a month, you know, those audiences are going to build a little bit, a little bit slower. So, so get those placed now, even while you're figuring out the platforms. And then the, the recommendation we always give is, and, and it lines up exactly with what you're saying is, you know, build the bottom of funnel first, build, build the things that are going to convert and going to do well, build those first get your solid foundation and then and then start start working upper funnel. So awesome. For those that are listening, which I would say would be most people who say, man, that was good. That, this brand guy knows his stuff. We've really just scratched the surface in a lot of ways. Like you gave an immense amount of value, but there's so much more we could talk about with, with YouTube and, and these other platforms as well. So if someone is listening, they're driving in their car or sitting in their office and saying, man, 
I need me some more Bryant Garvin. Uh, where, where should they Where should they go to check you out? Talk talk about the podcast. Talk about the uh, course and stuff. First off, if you just Google Bryant Garvin, I pretty much own the whole entire results page. Nice. But secondly, um, you can go to stackedads.com uh, slash podcast and you can find our podcast there. And then we are, it's in a private uh, founding member beta right now, our course, but over the next couple of weeks, we'll be rolling that out. So you can also follow us on Facebook at Stacked Ads uh, for our page there. And uh, you feel free to connect on LinkedIn, reach out, whatever. I, I try and answer as many questions as possible. Brett knows I, I may not respond today, but I will try and respond and help people out as much as I can. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Very, very generous. Well, Bryant, this was phenomenal. Uh, definitely want to figure out when we're going to do round two at some point because there's some other things I think we can dive into. But but phenomenal job. Uh, do, guys, check out the podcast. Check out his site. Connect with Bryant on social. And with that, man, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Thanks for having me, dude. Yep, yep. Glad to do it. And as always, really appreciate you guys taking the time, tuning into the podcast. Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Uh, give us some ideas for guests or topics you'd like for us to dive into. Uh, as always, we would love that five-star review on iTunes. Helps other people find the podcast. Uh, also subscribe on iTunes. That helps with a little bit of our organic optimization. And again, just helps other people find this podcast. So uh, with that, until next time, thank you so much for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.